really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. On this podcast, I share with you my own spiritual journey, basically, my inward journey, looking at myself, healing my old wounds and the past, figuring out on a day-to-day basis how to be a more spiritual person, how to become my best and highest self in the world. And so in these episodes, I simply talk to you about what's happening in my life, what I'm learning or reading or what has been really helpful to me on this journey. And before I dive into today's topic, I just wanted to mention that lately I have received messages from three different people who are listeners of the podcast who took the time to just write and tell me that they enjoy it, they're learning a lot, and they really value this podcast. And you might have heard me express before that I honestly have no idea if anyone actually even listens to these episodes. So I just want to say thank you to those of you who have taken the time to send me a quick little message. It keeps me going. It reminds me that, oh, there is an audience out there. There are people connecting with what I have to say along this journey. So Thank you so much for reaching out to me. I really appreciate it. Today, I want to talk once again about self-compassion, but particularly self-compassion and healing my old grief. If you've been listening for a while, you know that several episodes ago, I talked about self-compassion and how I had been introduced to it through a coaching relationship I have, a coach I'm working with, and how I've been using self-compassion exercises in my own life. And I wanted to follow up on that a little bit because it's really having a huge and profound effect on me. And I've been finding just simply since becoming aware of the idea of self-compassion. This is the really interesting thing. I haven't necessarily needed to do a lot of exercises or journaling or intentionally focus on having self-compassion about specific issues, but simply introducing the concept to my mind suddenly activated this compassionate part of me that I had never applied to myself before, if that makes any sense. And so since I have begun this work and just reading about self-compassion and learning more, I'm finding that the messages inside my own head are changing. The things I think about myself, the things I say to myself, just the background noise, the chatter that's going on all the time in my head. I'm finding that those voices in my head are much less critical in general, less negative, less shaming. The things I hear the voices say to me now, whenever, you know, say I make a mistake, I, um, you know, sometimes I, I mistakenly am in the wrong lane and I have to cut in front of somebody and I feel bad or guilty about that when I'm driving or I spill something or break something. I just broke a glass recently. Uh, when When I make a mistake and something goes wrong, it used to be that there would 
immediately be a barrage of negative phrases like, you idiot, that was stupid, why did you do that, of extremely critical messages. And I'm really finding now that the same mistakes happen. I still drop things and break things and make, make little mistakes when I'm driving. But there are much less negative voices in my head now. In addition, and this is a bit of a surprise to me, when other people say something to me that in the past I would have interpreted as criticism, I would have felt hurt by it or offended in some way, I actually hear those comments differently. I'm less reactive, I'm more accepting of the information, and I'm able to actually pause a moment before I react when someone says something and look at, oh, well, that is how that person is viewing what just happened. And what of that resonates with me? What of that feels true to me? And that's huge. I can't even tell you what a difference it has made in how I behave toward myself, but also toward other people. Just today, I received an email from someone who listened to one episode from my End of Life University podcast, and only one. This person admitted he had never heard any other episodes and was critical about the sound quality of my guest's microphone and said he found it disturbing and difficult to listen to because of the differences in quality between my microphone and my guest's microphone. To be honest, I initially plunged into a bit of despair, the waters of despair, I think about it as, but I realized I don't need to stay here. I don't need to feel this. I don't need to feel bad. And I was able to pull myself out of it and recognize, you know what, like, I'm okay. I'm doing fine. I'm doing the best I can do. In fact, I work really hard on my podcasts. And as a one person show, I, I do the best I can with limited skills and limited tools available to me. And you know what? I don't need to make excuses. Sometimes the sound quality just may not work out well for multiple different reasons, and that's okay. I'm doing the best job that I can do, and I, and I actually feel good about that. So I was able to receive the criticism ultimately as something that could be of value to me. Maybe I can take a further look at this. Maybe I'll discover some other tools that will help me improve the sound quality. But for now, I don't need to take it on as a negative burden in my head or in my heart or in my life. So things are going really well in terms of using the self-compassion exercises. But I also recently started working on an old project, which was to revive a book I've been writing for quite a few years now about grief during my travels in Italy. And as I've gone through the old files and been reading stories I wrote in the past, I've experienced a resurgence of, for one thing, grief, old grief about my father's death, and particularly self-criticism about my father's death itself and about my own grieving process. 
So that was a little bit of a surprise because my father died now 33 years ago. I've had a long time to process it and work on it. And I usually think of myself as doing really well. I've really healed most of that. There couldn't possibly be much of that left. But going back through these old stories and files and writings, as I've said, has really shown me that there's still some negative threads. And most of these are my own self-judgments that I have continued to carry with me, even as, as the pain over my dad's death has lessened, there's still a lot of self-judgment. And I've gotten in touch with some of these old messages, like, don't talk about it. Don't write about it, even feeling shame and embarrassment that I'm telling the story again about my father's suicide. And I know that comes from our societal stigma around suicide, but apparently I myself in the past bought into that stigma as well because it felt to me like something I was embarrassed to talk about, embarrassed to admit that, that my father had taken his own life. And there's a certain amount of shame involved in that, that I can't describe his death as some sort of death of honor or pride or praise. His death is forever tainted and haunted by the circumstances that surround it. And for all of these years, I've felt a certain amount of embarrassment about that. So these old feelings of shame have been arising around my dad's death itself. But in addition, I carry a lot of self-blame and self-judgment about my own behavior and my own inability to save my dad from suicide. And that was a huge issue that arose, tremendous guilt feelings that I carried with me and much of the writing I've been doing in this book focuses on the guilt associated with his death and also the death of a patient in my office many years later. So those old feelings of guilt have been rising in me and all of the self-criticism and self-judgment that has gone along with them. Once again, I'm hearing loud voices inside my head when I read these old manuscripts about why didn't you do a better job? Why did you fail? This was horrible. And also messages that maybe I deserved to suffer and to feel the pain of this grief because I failed and I didn't manage to save him or to save my patient. So these messages were actually counter to the idea of self-compassion, kept me from feeling compassionate toward myself, but also judged the very idea of self-compassion that self-compassion that would let me get away with having made mistakes or done the wrong thing that would let me off without punishment for the guilt that I have self-compassion is soft it's lazy and that I need to feel all these deep feelings of pain and suffering they're important for me to learn and to grow from some of these internal messages that have been hiding there for all these years are that I should never ask someone else for kindness or compassion or show it to myself because I don't really deserve it. 
So this is a pretty toxic mixture of grief, of self-blame, guilt, judgment, negativity going on inside. And and I'm not saying that there's a huge volume of these negative feelings, only that I'm aware now of the presence of them, that there are these threads that go all the way back to my father's death of, of guilt, along with the grief that I've worked so long to try to heal. So I understand that the guilt is more of an issue now than the grief actually is, but that is still in need of my attention and my self-compassion. So to clarify, I'm not only carrying guilt feelings, I'm carrying judgment about having guilt feelings as well. So this is how it works when we have negativity toward ourselves. It piles up in layers. We not only we not only have the initial wound and the initial pain that we're dealing with, but all of the judgment in our heads of how we could have been better or should have done done something differently that goes along with it. So These are the feelings with which I'm working now to apply my new self-compassion tools to help me finally heal these old threads. And I'm really grateful, actually, to have these negative voices come up in my head. And it happens particularly when I read through this old manuscript that I've worked on for quite some time which that's how it is. The It's something old that's stored within us. And uh, it's interesting that we're able to bring it out sometimes, bring it into the light and take a look at it and look at what we've been carrying with us, perhaps unaware that those feelings and those messages have still been there. So I'm really grateful that I've started working on this book again because it has allowed me a chance to just clear out some of the old negative messages that don't serve me at all and probably do me some harm, probably cost me some energy, life force energy every day in the fact that I maintain them and keep them alive underneath the surface. So I'm grateful that I've had this chance to work on the book again, to see the grief, the shame, the guilt, the self-judgment and self-blame all come up to the surface where I, I can look at it very clearly. And one good thing is that I don't feel confused about these feelings anymore. In the very beginning, I definitely did. It was all a chaotic mixture and mess of multiple emotions that I couldn't get a handle on. But I have so much more clarity now as I look at the messages that that rise up into my head and I understand where they came from and why. And I think that is a huge benefit from the self-compassion practices that I've been doing over the past few months, but also just from higher consciousness being at a new vantage point. So being able to look back at what happened in the past and the repercussions from what happened in the past and to have the capacity to hold more understanding, acceptance, empathy, and compassion now than I could before because I can see things in a way that I couldn't have done in the past. So 
what I'm trying to say here is that perhaps when these old threads of negative experiences rise to the surface, and like for me, here it is 33 years after my father's death, um, this is coming up again for me to look at, but perhaps there's a perfection in the timing because I needed to be ready to take this big step. I needed all the work I've done on myself over the last couple of decades to grow and change and have a greater capacity for awareness that has made it possible for me to look at at these old wounds and old experiences in order in order to heal them and and what i find is that the healing process itself in in doing it now is rather simple and happens rather quickly compared to my attempts at healing my grief 20, 25 years ago. So what I mean by that is each time I take one of these negative messages and really begin to look at it, and I actually open my heart to myself and to the pain that's there, and and I look at it with love, I find that the negative message, it's almost as if it begins crumbling and dissolving away in the moment as I'm looking at it. And it loses its power and its force. And it's remarkable to experience that within me, that just applying self-compassion, self-love, just kindness and tenderness toward myself has helped me fairly rapidly move through some of these messages and not be overwhelmed by them which is what used to happen. I would get lost in the middle of my self-blame and my guilt feelings and couldn't find my way out. So I might make a tiny bit of progress, but I would have to retreat from those feelings at some point because I simply couldn't keep working on them. And now it feels so much easier. As I said, it's as if they're dissolving before my eyes. And so whether or not you heard my first episode on self-compassion, just to talk about some of the tools that I'm using, first of all, again, it's just acknowledging that those feelings and messages are still there. I'm still carrying them, but they're visible to me now. I can see them clearly and see what they are and where they're coming from. And so there's no need to run away from them or push them away. I'm able to dive into the feelings. And that's the very first aspect of trying to heal or understand anything is that we have to be willing to go through it. We have to be willing to allow these deep, difficult feelings to be present so diving into the feelings instead of pushing them away and then um, as Kristen Neff on her selfcompassion.org website talks about thinking of being my own best friend and really talking to myself as I might talk to someone that I care about deeply and love when they're having a difficult time and when they're facing pain and 
that very notion of just being a friend to myself, that's one of the concepts that helped me shift my energy internally very quickly is it's actually as if empowering and activating my higher self to become my friend, (laughs) like allowing that part of me to speak to my wounded parts as a friend and as a kind and gentle mentor. And now my, my higher self, my higher consciousness has a strong enough voice that it can actually overpower those negative, whining, hurt, self-blaming, self-critical voices that are inside. My, my higher consciousness can just take over and bring this soothing energy into the situation. And again, as I said before, the negativity begins to dissolve away in the moment. And so it's remembering this concept constantly of how can I be my own best friend? What is the most self-loving and self-nurturing thing I could do right now? And that idea is, it's coming up for me everywhere in terms of what should I choose to eat right now? How should I exercise today? When should I get rest? How much work should I do? What should I read? What should I, what should I focus on today? And again, it's been life-changing and dramatic. So the second part of the self-compassion exercises that we talk about are, so first of all, acknowledging that pain is part of life and it will always be there. The second part is recognizing also that everyone suffers and that there are many people going through similar things right now. And the purpose of that part of the exercise is to not see ourselves as isolated and separate and alone in the pain of being human to recognize this is something that we share universally. And that also keeps us from going into more of a victim mode or uh, narcissism in a way and feeling that somehow life is only unfair to me. I'm being persecuted. Uh, Everything's wrong for me, but it's going fine for other people. Instead to recognize everyone is carrying their own burden of a similar type of pain because this is just part of being human here on planet Earth. So that's another powerful aspect of this exercise. And the third Uh, step is to simply be kind to yourself. And one of the little mantras Kristen Neff recommends is saying, may I be kind to myself today. And being kind to myself, of course, means in all sorts of ways, as I mentioned before, all those little choices and decisions I make throughout the day, but also having little practices that are soothing and helpful. And one of my very favorite practices that I've used for years, super simple, is just breathing in light and love. So it utilizes the breath, deep breathing, And particularly by extending the um, exhalation a few seconds longer than the inhalation, it activates the relaxation response in the body, which helps you just settle down into a more relaxed mode. And it's very healing and helpful for the physical body as well to get us out of the fight or flight reaction. 
But I envision when I'm taking long, slow, deep breaths that on the inhalation, as I breathe in, I'm breathing in love and it's love in the form of light. I'm breathing it in into right into my heart and it's filling my heart. I see my heart lighting up and becoming more and more illuminated and filled, in fact, overflowing with light. Then on the out breath, I see myself radiating the light outward. But first, I radiate it throughout my own being, throughout myself, wherever I need healing, wherever I have pain or discomfort, radiating the light and love from my heart to myself. And then again, it spills over and begins to radiate out to others. So that's this very simple breathing slash meditation technique that I've used for years and years now. And that's one of the best ways I have of being kind to myself in a difficult situation. Sometimes it, it takes only only a moment to take a deep breath in and let it out. And that alone can shift me into more positive thoughts, into a better space so that I can make better choices for myself in the moment. And that's, that's the very simple little self-compassion practice that I use. And that alone has been enough to change everything for me. And so, as I said before, I'm excited that I have these new tools and new ideas to think about self-compassion. It's making a difference and changing everything. And I don't doubt that one of the reasons I got inspired to look at this old book about old grief is because it's time and I'm ready. I have new tools now and I'm able to look at it, able to work on it and able to help some of that negativity from the past and pain dissolve away right now through these new practices of self-compassion. And I wanted to read a poem to you just to end today. And it's from the book Love Notes from the Hollow Tree by Jared K. Anderson. I think I've read this poem before on this podcast, but I'm reading it again because I really like it. And um, Jared K. Anderson is just some a new poet that I've discovered recently. And um, I really enjoy his writing about lots of poems about nature, but he touches on loss and grief and pain and redemption a lot in his writing. So this poem is called Resolution. I give up wanting to be whole, to be strong, to be beyond criticism. Instead, I will be creative with my empathy. I will not curse my flaws. I will live in the light of honest vulnerability. I will look at a sculpture and understand that need is what calls art from bare stone. Perfection calls to nothing. So this is just a great reminder to not focus our sights on being perfect. Focus our sights on being creative, being kind to ourselves, living in the light of honest vulnerability, and seeing the perfection in just being who we are, and not trying to be other than that. So 
It's been uh, a joy to talk today to myself, but hopefully to you as well. Thank you for listening through this whole episode. And I'll be back next week with something else to share. Until then, remember that we're here for love. That is the most important thing we can focus on. Love in all of its forms, including love for ourselves. So face your fear, be ready for whatever life brings your way next, and love each and every moment of your very precious life. Bye-bye.